I am not very technologically savvy. I uh, don't know a whole lot about technology, but fortunately for me, I have a daughter who's 17 who knows a whole lot about technology, and one thing that she has done for me is she, she took my phone a couple of years ago and she said, you need to have this app on your phone, and it's, it's called Snapchat. Now, I don't know, some of you are probably like, oh, it's the worst thing ever. Um, I, just to let you know, I have one follower on Snapchat. It is my daughter. That's it. And actually, Glenn. So I have two people on it, and uh, I don't communicate with anybody else. But there's some really neat things that you can do with Snapchat that my daughter has taught me. Uh, one thing that you can do is you can take pictures of people. And somebody told me I messed up in the first service. I could, you can put a filter on them and make their faces look kind of strange, or you can actually swap out faces. And so as you can imagine, because I'm so mature, this totally intrigues me. And so I'm looking for people. I'll even do little sneak shots of people and uh, take their picture and then put my face on there. So it's a lot of fun. And so I thought I'd just show you a couple little pictures that I did. Uh, this first one, y'all see if y'all can guess who this is. Okay, that's, that's, uh, that's my daughter with Matthew's head. Uh, so that's a, that's a lot of fun, um, and then I did another one with the filter that we use. That's uh, y'all know who that is? Yeah, that's James before CrossFit, and uh, and then we have a we have another one. There we go. Y'all know who that is? Yeah, that's Will. Uh, that's Will. So that's just a lot of fun. And I I had one of our uh, business administrator Carrie, and she said she would quit. If I showed that one, I thought it was really good, but we're not going to show it today. So anyway, so those things are a lot of fun to me. So I see these, I see these pictures that you can do stuff with. It's, a, it's, it's fun to do, but, but here's the bottom line is this. It, it's not real. You know, that, that picture of James, that he never looked like that. I mean, that's just, that's just the filter. But as I thought about that, I thought that there's a lot of times when, when we do stuff like that in our own lives with other people, we, we put on this, this, fake, this fake facade and present ourselves as being something that we're really not. And so that's why we're beginning a new series of messages today. We're calling it Soundtrack. What does your life sound like? And you're not what does it sound like to you or not what, you know, what do you think your life is like, but, but what do other people, when they, when they look at your life, when they listen to you and see how you live your life, what is, what kind of music are you playing? Because here's what I really believe. I believe as we go through this series of messages, we're going to be talking about some different tracks that ought to be on our, you know, on our, so to speak, our mixtape of life. That's for all of you who are 40 and up. You remember those. And so, you know, what, what are the songs that you ought to have in your life that ought to be playing? And I believe one of the songs that every believer's life ought to be playing is the song of authenticity. Because we, we live in a world where there's not a whole lot of authenticity. We see a whole lot of fake stuff that's going on all of the time. And after a while, you begin to wonder, well, What's truth? You know, how can we really know what is legitimate and what is not? And that should never be said about people who are followers of Jesus. That should never be said about me. And so I'm not just preaching to you. I mean, I'm speaking for this for my life as well. And so what I desire to see in your life and in my life is on our, on our soundtrack is one of the songs that ought to be playing in our lives is the song of authenticity. And so today in our passage of scripture, 
we're going to see Jesus sharing a parable about two men. Uh, one of the men was, was authentic, and the other man was not authentic. And so the question is, well, then how can we be authentic people as believers? So if you have your Bible, we're going to look today in Luke chapter 18 in verse number 9. And it's here that Jesus tells a parable. And very simply, a parable is a simple story that was used in order to illustrate a spiritual lesson. And in our text, the parable is about a Pharisee, which is a really religious guy, and about a tax collector. So it's a story about two men. Both men came to the temple in order to pray. And one of the guys looked really good on the outside, and the other guy didn't look all that good. One guy was wearing a facade, and the other guy wasn't. Now, I still think that kind of thing happens today, that there are many of us who, uh, you know, many of us or many people that we know, they, they put on a facade of portraying something that they're really not. So, so how can we be authentic? You know, as believers, as we live in a world that is looking for truth, how can we be truthful about who we are and authentic in our faith? And we're going to learn a few lessons today, I believe, from our text about how we can be authentic. And the first lesson in being authentic is knowing your identity. If you and I are going to be authentic in, in the world in which we have decided as a church that we're going to engage, you know, we did C4, we said we're going to engage culture. Well, if we're going to engage it well, then we have to be authentic. And if we're going to be authentic, one of the things that has to happen for us is we have to know our identity. Now, look with me in verse number 9 of chapter 18. This is Jesus. It says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. So Jesus said, and this is setting up for a good story here. These people think they're righteous, they're better than everybody else, so he tells a story. He says, two men went up to the temple complex to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now our text identifies the two men in this story who went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other one was a tax collector. Now, if you've grown up in the church, one of the things that I'm sure that you've heard a number of times is you've heard, uh, heard about a Pharisee before. And so the question is, what is a Pharisee? Well, it's a really religious guy. Uh, the word Pharisee, it comes from the Hebrew word perush, which means to be separate. Now, what were they to be separate from? They were to be separate, really, from the way the rest of the world lived. They were to follow God's word. They were to be diligent and faithful in the word of God and everything that they did. I mean, today's parlance, we would say they were, they were super spiritual people. They were churchgoers. You know, we would look at them today and say they were people. They were in church on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights. They would have been in church on Wednesday nights. And even when they went on vacation, they would have gone to church. I mean, that's how good a people they are. So we'd look at Pharisees, very religious people. Not only that, they like to follow the rules. And one of the rules that was given in Scripture was that Jewish people one day a year were to fast, you know, not eat. And that was on the Day of Atonement. You know what the Pharisees did? They, they ramped up their game. They said one day a year, they said we're going to fast twice a week. So you look at these guys. 
real religious, okay? We would look at they were the elite of the elite. So that is the identity of the very first guy. Now, the next guy, his identity is he's a tax collector. Now, what does that mean? He's a tax collector. Well, he's the guy that went around and he collected taxes for the government. I'm sure all of you, every April 15th, is probably one of your favorite days of the year. It's like a holiday. You know, we can't wait for April 15th. Now, tax collectors were not well-liked because they were the guys that were taking your money. Not only that, we know that he was a Jewish guy because he was at the temple praying, and, but, which means that he was working for the occupying government of, of uh, Israel, which was the Roman government. He would have been doubly hated. He would have been seen as a traitor. He would have been seen as a man who was taking the people's money. Uh, tax collectors were notorious cheats. They would overtax people, and then they would keep the rest of the money for themselves. And it was so bad that to hang out with a tax collector, you were considered to be unclean. They were viewed by the Jewish people as being, as being lower than thieves and prostitutes. So this was, not, this was not good. So it would have been unusual to see a guy like this at the temple praying. So from the outside, we can make some judgments about their identity. We look on the outside and say, that guy looks good, and this guy does not look very good. But here's what's interesting. Jesus is not interested on the outside. What he is interested in is what's on the inside. There was one man that really knew who he was. He knew his identity. There was another man who was living in denial about who he really was. And so that's, that's really sort of the, the center or the core of the message today. Do you know who you are? Do you know what your real identity is? And I'm not asking, do you know, you know how often you go to church every year? I'm not asking about how nice you are to people. I mean, do you really know who you are and know your condition? Because I'm guessing a whole lot of people really don't. You know, one of the movies or series of movies that I've always enjoyed are the, the Jason Bourne movies. Y'all probably have watched a few of those. I like them because they're intellectually stimulating. Uh, but in the very first one, I remember Jason Bourne, he'd been in this, this accident on the job, and he ended up getting amnesia. The girl, Marie, if y'all watch the movie a lot like I have, picks him up. They're going through Germany. They sit down at a restaurant, and he, he does not know who he is. And he's like, this is so frustrating. And, and he's talking to her, and he says, you know, as we came in here, he goes, I know the, I know the six cars out in the parking lot, I know their license tag numbers. He said, I can look across at the guy. He weighs 215 pounds. He knows how to handle himself. He said, how can I know stuff like that, and yet I don't even know who I am? And there's a lot of us, we're just like that. We, there's a whole lot of us. We know a whole lot of stuff. We know all the little Bible answers. We know what, 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 what we're supposed to do and how to treat other people, and yet when it comes down to it, we don't know who we are. We don't know what life's all about. We don't know what our purpose is. And, and you know, it's really hard to know where you're going if you don't know who you are. Let me tell you something. God's fingerprints are all over your lives. He has made you on purpose. He has made you for a reason. And you and I need to know our identity so we can be used by God in the way that he made us. So 
So are we, are we authentic? Well, if we're going to be authentic, then we have to know our identities. But another lesson in being authentic is you have to also know, know what your motives are. Examine the motives of how you're living your life and why you're living your life in this particular way. In verse number 11, it says, And the Pharisee, so he's at the temple, says he took his stand and was praying like this, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest and saying, God, turn your wrath from me, a sinner. And we're going to start off by just examining the Pharisee and his prayer to God. And it's interesting to note, what his praying posture was. If you go back and you look in verse number 11, it says, he took his stand. And the idea here is that whenever he's praying, he took his stand in a place that was busy with people walking by. And so you have to ask, well, why would he do that? Well, it's pretty simple. He did that to get attention. He was standing there praying so that people would walk by and notice him. He was not praying and talking to God because he wanted to express his love to God. He was praying so that he would receive all the attention. And then you look at his prayer. His pra- God, thank you that I'm not like other people. God, thank you that I'm not, you know, that I'm not a, an adulterer, that I'm not a thief. And he sees a tax collector. And God, and he, damn, he's praying out loud here. God, I thank you that I'm not like that tax collector over there. Now that's, that's kind of a harsh prayer, but what's happening here is he is looking at himself and he is proud of who he is. His motive was not for God. His motive was for himself. Jesus actually spoke about this with religious people, which would include us. Jesus said in, in Luke eleven forty three, 43, Woe to you Pharisees! You love the front seat and the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. They, they like getting attention from people to be seen as super religious. But Jesus is not interested on the outside. He's interested on who you are. What's on the inside? What your heart is. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The engine of your life, the engine of how you live, comes from your heart. So so here's the question, what's in your heart? You know, what what are your motives concerning how you live? I, I look at the Pharisees, they're purely selfish. He just wants people to pay attention. He wants people to look at him and go, man, I'm impressed with this guy. This guy, he's a great prayer. He uses really fancy language when he prays. I'm just so impressed by him. But then let's look at the let's look at the tax collector. Now a couple things to notice about the tax collector. So we see that the Pharisee, when he prays, he's standing in the middle of everybody. You remember where the tax collector's standing when he's praying? It says he was standing far off. He's standing away from everybody. He realized that he was unworthy. His eyes are cast downward. It says he was striking his chest. Why? Because he realized he's unworthy. He recognized his sinfulness. His heart is broken because of sin. His motive? He wanted to be right with God. 
Guys, let me tell you something. When that is our motive, when our motive is not to receive praise from people, but our motive is to be right with God, you're, you're going to be authentic. You're not putting on a facade to try to show people a picture of somebody that you're not really, but you're going to be a person who says, I am broken and I need help. Now, the tax collector looked at God and said, God, I need help. The Pharisee, he's comparing himself to other people, saying, look how bad that guy looks. And if you look at how bad he looks, I'm looking pretty good. But that's, that's, Jesus, that's not how Jesus looks at people. He looks at who you are on the inside. You know, one of the more interesting, I think, kind of musical um, inventions over the last number of years is, is auto-tune. Have you all heard of auto-tune before? Um, in auto-tune, it's what you can do is you, a singer can sing, and they can put him on auto-tune, and it, it, will, it will make his voice get in tune. And let me tell you, I need that. And so now, what, what it does is, you know, that, and, uh, Jimmy could put my I could sing, he put me on auto-tune, and uh, it would bring my voice up closer to, to what's the correct pitch. Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to be a Grammy award-winning singer if you put auto-tune on me, but it makes me sound better. Now, there are a lot of us who are using auto-tune in our lives to make ourselves look better and sound better than we really are. And here's what God's going to do. You know God, that, that he, he's not fooled by that. He's going to remove that auto-tune and tell us, listen, I am listening to who you are. Not the facade that you put up, not the excuses that you put up as to why you're living the way that you do. He said, I'm looking at your very heart. Hebrews 4.13 says, No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now, if we are interested in authenticity, then you and I have to be honest who we are with what's in our heart. Because otherwise, we're just going to go through this life and we are going to be fake. We will not impact people for Jesus. And if we're gonna if we're gonna be authentic, that's gonna be part of our soundtrack in life. Then we have to know our identity. We have to know our motives. And here's the final thing: we have to know our outcome. And that's that's found in verse number fourteen. Jesus said, "I tell you, this one went down to his house justified, rather than the other, because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted." Very interesting outcome to the story. You've got the Pharisee, you've got the tax collector. Now, just a quick overview. The Pharisee, good guy, follows the law, tithes, goes to church, kind to people. Every pastor in America would say, I want 200 of these guys in the church. And then you look at the other guy, complete opposite. A cheat, a liar, a thief, horrible guy. But who, in a way, justified? The tax collector. Well, what's up with that? I mean, what, what does it mean? It says he went to his home. He went down justified. That the word justified is an interesting word. Here's, here's what justification is, how it's defined. It is the act of God as a judge that declares sinners, declares sinners to be right or righteous in his sight. Now, how can God do that? You know how he can do it? Because of what Jesus did for us. 
See, Jesus went to the cross and he died on a cross paying our debt of sin so that those who entrust their lives to him will receive the righteousness of God. Not because they deserve it, but because they've trusted God. Now that is the issue that's going on in our text. So we are made righteous because of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. So the tax collector, what did he do? He said, God, I am broken, I am beaten, I am a sinner, I am honest with you, I am a wreck, and I can't make myself right with you, so I am going to trust you because you're my only hope. He's honest. What did the Pharisee do? Compared to that guy, I look good. I don't need anybody else because I'm making it on my own. Now, that sounds good. Sounds good to compare yourselves to other people and say, well, compared to him, I'm better than him, so i got to be okay with God. Let me, you, let me tell you why that logic won't work. Max Lucado is a Christian author. I, he, he wrote one of his books. And it's a story. It made sense to me. He said, when I was a kid, he said, my mom would tell me to go clean my room. He said, I'd go in my room, and, you know, I'd clean it, which means, you know, and parents, you all know what this is. That means to take all your garbage that's in the floor and shove it under the bed and then stick it in the closet and just pray to the good Lord that she doesn't open the door. So he said, I'd go in there and just shove everything under the bed. And so my mom would come in and look. And he said, of course, she'd investigate everything because that's what mothers do because God's blessed y'all with that skill. And so they come in, she looks in there, and she's like, said, your room's not clean. And he said, well, then I would take my mom's arm. And he said, I would take her to my little brother's room. He said, my room was always clean than my brother's. He said, I'd open up the door, say, look at his room. and just stuff everywhere. He hadn't even shoved it under the bed. He said, my room is clean. He said, when she grabbed my arm, and he said, and she'd take me to her room. He said, I hated when she did that. He said, because her room was perfect. It was spotless. The closet was in order. The floor had been vacuumed. The bed was made. And she'd walk in there, and she'd look at me, open up the door, and she said, that is what I mean by clean. That's what God does. You know, we sit there, and we compare ourselves to other people. I'm righteous. You know, I'm righteous when I compare myself to Jonathan. Whoever, God takes me by the hand, he says, he points at himself, he says, this is what I mean by righteous. Not some other person, me. And let me tell you something, whenever I recognize that, my heart is broken because I understand that I am done in by sin. You know, Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, no not one. Now, the Pharisee got in trouble because he was comparing himself to others. He was not being honest about his condition. What's his condition? Y'all, his condition is just like yours and mine. We're all broken. We all need mending. We are all sinful. And we need to quit hiding and putting on a mask, portraying ourselves to be something that we're really not. So how can we be authentic? Well, know your identity. You know who you are. Know your motives. And then know the outcome. You know, it's time for us to it's time for us to be authentic. The world is crying out for truth. I really believe that. You know, you watch the news. I don't care where you stand politically. You watch the news, you see 
you see lying, you see disingenuous and, and disingenuousness, you see people struggling and striving for power at all cost. And the rest of us, we sit there and watch that, and we're just sick of it. I would, how, many, how many of you have ever watched what's going on in the world and said, won't somebody just tell me the truth? Just be honest. Now, hey, here's one for us. Why don't we do that? And just be honest. Tell the truth about who we are. Let me tell you, you know the truth about me? It's going to be the truth about you too. I am a sinner. And I'm in need of a Savior. And I become authentic with people when I recognize that. Because when I recognize that, then I'm not saying I am better than you. I'm saying I am just like you. And I need God just like you do. And when people recognize that we don't think we are holier than thou people, and we say, let me tell you something, I'm just like you, but I want you to see a Jesus who can change you, you become authentic. You become real. That's what we need in our world today. We need realness. We need authenticity. Because people are starting to pick up on the garbage that's dished out every day that is false and is not real. And of all people, it should be believers who are real. Now, how do we become real? It's only going to happen to Jesus. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. The only way we become right is when we rely upon His grace and His mercy. And when that happens, you will be forever changed.